Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. The Bob Seska Show. Bob Seska. Did you ever see anything about Seska that made you suspicious? The Bob Seska Show. From our nation's capital, it is Wednesday, September 14, 2022, and this is the Bob Seska interview on the Sexy Liberal Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Bob. Hello, Bob. Hi, day 603 of the Biden-Harris administration, 54 days until the 22 midterms. I'm on Instagram. My handle is TheBobSeska, Twitter, BobSeska underscore go, and our Patreon page is BobSeskaShow.com. So today with, um, what did I say, 54 days to go and only around 10 days until early voting and mail-in voting begins in a handful of states, I thought we'd talk to the election whisperer, Dr. Rachel Bittekoffer, and get her read on the status of the midterms, specifically what's going to happen at the congressional level. I think you'll be pleased with Rachel's forecast at this point. And by the way, next week we're going to talk with Gabby Goldstein, the co-founder of Sister District, about state and local races. So we're going to cover all the bases as the election gets larger in the window. Meantime, please help support this show by subscribing to our bonus content at bobseskashow.com. All right, here's my talk with Rachel Bittekoffer. More fun, more music, the Bob Seska Show. How dumb was Lindsey Graham for introducing a 15-week abortion ban? <laughs> I mean, so dumb that I can't... I mean, so here, here's, like, here's my perspective. Like, I... I have been wanting to, to run and, you know, run the messaging. The Republican Party wants control of Congress so they can pass a national abortion ban, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, if I was in charge of everything and I and I didn't have to answer to anyone, right, like, that ad would be out already, right? <laughs> but, like, it, you know, Democrats like to have some substance to shit, you know? Oh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, now – when I'm trying to sell this concept, it's like, you know, so much easier to sell because they can point to Lindsey Graham's piece of legislation and feel like it's grounded in reality. So it right. is a tremendous strategic mistake. Um, they're used to being able to make mistakes that don't get exploited. And, and it's going to take, I think, a couple cycles for people like Lindsey yeah. to figure out that that's not how the that there's a new share. Down, right? Yeah, it's it's so strange. I mean, he's not a rookie. I mean, he's not new to this. So why on earth did he fuck up this badly and this yeah, close yeah. to an election? 
I mean, exactly, right? I mean, especially given that he's been watching Jamie Harrison, you know, running this party for the last couple of years, and especially the last six months, running it hard, you know, like um, yeah, like. You know, you know, this is not this is not a chairman or an environment you want to be making simple mistakes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, I yeah. absolutely love that Lindsey Graham came out and admitted that it's not about states' rights and they intend to strip <laughs> all of us of our fundamental liberty because, like the abortion effect we're seeing is most tangible where the threat is most real. Yeah. But that doesn't mean to say there isn't an effect all the way through all of the voter cycle. So. For example, a state like Oregon that has protected abortion in the Constitution is still going to get benefit out of this row at the House um, congressional and state legislative level. And, you know, that's really my hope is that people understand this is the defining issue. It puts the freedom and rights democracy context into a tangible format that people can understand. And it's uh, something we should be hammering. So how many times should Chuck Schumer bring this legislation up for a vote <laughs> between now and <laughs> November 8th? Yeah, no doubt. Like every day, right? And, yeah. and you know what the best part is about this is like Lindsey Graham like must have been thinking, oh, well, wow. Oh, it turns out women don't want to ha- don't want to be sentenced to death by the state. OK, mm-hmm. so he's thinking, oh, well, if we do 15 weeks, you know, everyone will be <laughs> We're definitely not fucking happy about a 15-week ban right. of the entire anti-abortion movement, okay? So, <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. So, like, the worst thing to happen right now is from, McC- from, McC- from McConnell, who's the strategist, right? Mm-hmm. In McConnell's mind, the worst thing that could happen right now is to be to, to have panic from both sides, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> they, need, they need a little bit of leeway with the anti-abortion crowd to triangulate or, or at least to look more moderate on abortion and the and and you know but now the anti-abortion crowd it, who might have been inclined to help them is is going to be feeling threatened by a 15-week ban if let's just put this into perspective that law became law tomorrow actually abortion access would i mean even before the row evisceration abortion access would have gone up in a lot of places mm-hmm. okay? yeah and it protects i mean at, at 21 weeks only one percent of all abortions occur after 21 weeks yeah why i've been talking about how there is no such thing as exceptions okay they made that shit up because it was good marketing mm-hmm. at the end of the day nobody walks in and aborts a 25 week fetus for fun no of eh? course not of course not and <laughs> yeah. besides roe didn't allow it casey didn't allow it right. Ni- right. neither one of those decisions allowed late-term abortions unless there was a medical emergency and that's the thing that the republicans don't want people to know they want they want their voters to believe that you know 99 of all abortions are late-term partial birth abortions that are the most grisly things that you could possibly imagine. They want their voters to feel as though that's an ongoing horror show that was really occurring, even though it seldom occurred. And when it did, it was only to save lives. Yes, exactly. And I mean, you know, some of this is the product of 20 or 30 years of limp dick marketing messaging on reproductive and row, okay, like yeah. I mean, uh, we we helped them define 
these issues in, in you know using this this marketing technique mm-hmm. by our own uh, ineptness in terms of, of devising and, and messaging on abortion issues so um you know they couldn't have done it without our help but now that that help is is falling away yeah. right yeah. i mean it's you know the moral politics shifted immediately i mean that's why on the night of the Roe memo leak, I think there was two people in America that really recognized profoundly how bad this was going to be for Republicans. Mm-hmm. Me and Mitch McConnell. Like, I promise if we had footage from Mitch McConnell's office the moment that that leaked, he, would pro- he was probably cussing up a storm because the moral... They have benefited for 30 years on the moral politics fa- uh, favoring mm-hmm. hypothetical babies that a women go to the on-demand, right? They made up that shit. That's all marketing, right? On-demand abortions, right? When yeah. you just go in there and kill these fully formed babies that they, you know, show in their billboards or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's all bullshit. Not a, it's totally a completely made up construct. And so now the moral politics are not with these hypothetical babies who all would have grown up to be president, by the way. Okay. None of them would have grown up to rape and murder your kids later on because they grew up in poverty and were abused because parents didn't want them. Yeah. And they ended up, you know, in the system, right? Mm-hmm. Like, no, no, no. These these hypothetical babies that abortion politics hinges on are always, uh, um, you know, stripped away from bright and promising futures, right? Well, now we're living, we're not living in abstract land. We're living in concrete reality. Mm-hmm. You know, Roe yeah. gets eviscerated. These trigger laws take place and all these really draconian abortion laws they've managed to do without any blowback. And that's because, you know, until people were facing this threat, the moral politics favored them, and now it's going to be um, a whole new new ball game when it comes to to messaging on on abortion. Yeah, and I would say the only thing that Lindsey Graham will get out of this is reinforcing the disinformation that fetuses can feel pain at 15 weeks. That's kind of his follow up to introducing this legislation. Oh yes, they give anesthesia to fetuses. No, it's a lie. It's disinformation. Fetuses don't feel pain until the third trimester. I think it's something like between 25 and 30 weeks, somewhere in that range, because the neural pathways aren't established yet in order for conscious pain to occur. So it's a big lie as far as that 15-week arbitrary cutoff point. This is more about but controlling works, women than anything. Bob, let me point yeah. this out, though, right? It works, though, because we end up explaining how they can't feel pain, and this isn't real, and that isn't that. Uh, and yeah. what I'm, what I'm, what I, what I'm um, excited about is that because now, now we're talking about women, women carrying fetuses without skulls who have to flee to New York to get an abortion, mm-hmm. 10-year-old girls who, you know, not only have to deal with the shame and the, you know, psychological trauma of being raped, but then have to become a national news story as they flee their state to get an abortion. Those things are what are what we want to be talking about when it comes to these issues. They were always what we wanted to be talking about. And so, you know, instead of explaining why 15 weeks, this, that, I think it's really imperative that everybody on this issue 
be um, keeping focus on what happens when you have a legal abortion. You have women who are tortured by the state and die. All in all, it was a dumb move for Lindsay, but probably good for the rest of us. So, oh, I yeah, mean, it, it was so dumb, Rachel, that even Charlie Kirk, the dumbest man in politics, thought it was dumb. I mean, that's how dumb it was. <laughs> Yeah, he, so he, he called it election interference. He said that <laughs> Lindsey Graham is trying to interfere in this election. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Which is so stupid, but he at least understands the ramifications. I guess there's well, that. I guess that made it through his tiny I brain. I mean, here's the thing. Like, I mean, it, I guess I would categorize this as the dumbest thing, okay? Because Rex Scott and his 11-point plan to end Social Security and Medicare mm. and raise taxes on families of four five thousand dollars a year that's also pretty dumb right yeah. but like the difference is that there's a there so like i'm trying to teach people you don't actually need an organic fuel or even an organic fire to make shit burn right mm -hmm. but like right now where the system is we kind of feel like we do right we need real controversy or real organic fire and because of the row backlash lindsay's mistake will cost them more but the mistake that Rick Scott made the about revealing the Republican Party's secret plan to end Social Security and Medicare and raise your taxes, that is just as rich to be exploited. It's just getting our side to understand how to make um, lemonade out of all the lemons Republicans drop. They lot they they're giving us so much good stuff, and like you know, they're only really truly mist mistakes. I think if we properly exploit them. Is this indicative, Rachel, of a Republican Party that's so desperate to win elections that they need to reach out to the most extreme aspects of of their voter base? It, it seems like they've kind of painted themselves into a corner in that respect, where they need the Nazi vote. They need the white supremacist vote. They need the extremist anti-abortion vote. I think what Lindsey Graham was doing, for example— was this old move where if you feel like you're in danger and, the, you know, their chances in the Senate are sketchy at this point, then they reach out to the deepest, darkest reaches of their base. And that's been kind of the habit in the past. And maybe that's what Lindsey was trying to do. I have no goddamn clue what that was all about. But maybe that was his rationale. Maybe it was a pander. I actually think it's the opposite, Bob. Here's the oh, yeah? funny part. Okay. Strategically. So like, if you look back through his statement, right? Let's do this 15-week ban. That's really where America is, okay? Mm. So, like, to me, what he thinks is happening in this is that it'll reach to the middle, okay? He thinks, oh, shit, now we're, you know, I've got this extremism problem, and they're all, you know, now we need to try to triangulate back to the middle. What he doesn't understand is a 15-week abortion ban is basically telling the right-to-life community, I'm going to legalize 99% of all abortions that happen in the U.S., Yeah. okay, mm -hmm. <laughs> and federally federally mandate that across the whole country uh, i mean because keep in mind if only one percent are occurring after 21 weeks we're not talking about a tremendous amount of of the abortion care in this country coming down after 15 weeks yeah. okay yeah so he didn't please the activist base at all with that that's the exact opposite now if he had said let's do a national heartbeat ban that would have been full red meat to the base mm -hmm. but what he has done has displeased both the radical anti-abortion movement people who want abortion banned without exceptions from conception 
you know, let alone yeah. 99% of them exempted, right? Um, and then he also, sorry, <laughs> they, the dogs agree with me. Yes, they but do. He also, but he also isn't allowing a party that likes to have receipts to, to claim in their advertising, should they be inclined, and I hope they are, to, that the Republican Party is going to strip your abortion rights away from you through a federal ban. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, like, I don't know what the fuck Lindsey Graham was trying to do. If it was reached to the base, he did it wrong. If it was reached to the middle, he screwed himself. But, boy, he's just, uh, I'm really grateful that he that he did it. Is his political acumen just completely overrated? Is that what that is? I mean, it's just, I'm baffled by this, that someone with this much experience in the United States Senate could make such a stupid, stupid move. And you know what? The conspiratorial side of me goes, well, there are all these top secret TSSCI documents floating around. Donald Trump probably went through FBI files as well. I mean, it's entirely possible. Is there stuff floating around, Compromat on Lindsey Graham, that where he can be coerced into doing things that he wouldn't normally do? Maybe that's a reach in this case, but I'm still <laughs> I'm just scratching been, my head. Um, I mean, for somebody who spent the last two years trying to wake America up to the fact that, you know, we are collapse, a collapsing democracy, no longer a democracy in crisis, yeah. had moved to collapse and was getting ready to move into a post-democratic, one-party fascist state. Oh my God. Um, that said, I'm not actually a very tinfoil hat conspiracy-minded person. So let me tell you what I think okay. motivated Lindsey Graham. Okay. I have long argued that if we went on offense against these people, they wouldn't know what the fuck to do because they've <laughs> never seen an offensive posture and that once they got on defense i expected they would do things similar to what we do explain shit panic make mistakes and i think that's exactly what lindsey graham did last night i think he was thinking about that senate majority he's thinking about these competitive swing races in pennsylvania in ohio and how the you know the republican party has caught this abortion car it's much bigger of a car than lindsey graham personally ever wanted to catch right Mm. and he straight up made a strategic strategic mistake because they are in strategic they have never been in the strategic posture before and that was why i wanted desperately to put them there are there still democratic incumbents and candidates who aren't wedging the dobbs decision are there candidates that you're noticing who aren't uh using that as a cudgel to beat their opponents over the heads with no, I mean, you know, I, I I can't speak to individual campaigns or candidates. I, I, I prefer not to anyway. Sure. I'll just tell you this, like system wide, I, I would guess like 50 percent of the most competitive races are being run in a posture that I like right now. Mm, good. And if we could get that to 100, then <laughs> we really would have a chance to, to hold the house. Nate Silver has Democratic odds of keeping the house at around 27 percent, which seems grim. Which is- but I mean, no, tr- actually, that's a huge improvement over what we were facing before. Oh, yeah. The trend lines are certainly moving in the right <laughs> direction. It's just a matter of yeah. time now. It's a matter as yeah. to whether or not we can get to some sort of parity by the time November 8 rolls around. Democrats have to win, uh, based on Nate Silver's calculations, Democrats have to win 13 toss-ups plus a whole bunch of uh, lean Democratic races in order to retain the majority. Sounds like a a hugely steep climb to me. Where are you right now with the House? 
Let me tell you guys this. Like, all right, so like prior, let's say Roe had never happened, and that and that was the stasis. It wouldn't be, of course, right? But let's just say it was. Mm-hmm. Like my 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 assumption based on my theory and my work, and of course, you know, the other um, analysts have long been studying this stuff. But like my addition to that, based on that, I would assume that if if Democrats, you know, if, if there was twenty toss up races pre Roe. Because the fundamentals of the midterm effects are the midterm effect, I would expect Democrats to lose 18 out of 20 toss-ups, okay? Now, post-Roe, because the enthusiasm gap has has closed completely, uh, it's, it's basically as David Pluff was des- describing on MSNBC earlier today, now we have two waves that are going to crash to e- into each other and basically negate it. So it comes down also to this conversion poll right now you know 80 percent of the advertising from democrats is still trying to win over swing voters if we could shift more of that to doing what republicans do which isn't winning over swing voters it's pushing swing voters away from the other party then i think we'd have a really good potential out of that same list of 20 with the fundamental assist from row evisceration and the proper tapping into that angst out of that same 20 toss-ups of which we would only win two prior, we would be 18 and two, okay? We could win 18 of them. That is how much Roe has changed the fundamentals. Everything that I've done towards reform and the other reformists, and obviously the party's got a great chair in Jamie Harrison, great heads in in charge of the DCCC and the DGA and the DSC, but all of that, we could do everything the same and we would still get a get whacked in November if it wasn't for the assist Hmm. of having the Supreme Court strip away women's fundamental liberty. So if you hear my voice, you're in charge of messaging or strategy. There is not a part of the voter file that is not reacting, very reacting to this change of abortion moral politics. And we should be hammering them and making sure people are terrified to vote for Republicans in the fall. Are pollsters undersampling women and not taking into consideration the Dobbs decision? Is that actually going on? Are you seeing that in the crosstabs? So, you know, here's the thing about polling, guys. And and this is just, this is horse race polling I'm talking about, not issues or whatever. But polling that you're trying to use to determine who's going to win a House or Senate race or a governor's race. Uh, the reason that polling keeps letting us down is that we are asking it and, and analysts are presenting it. And, and this is just it's not on an individual analyst. It's the system evolved in this way where we don't really use poll data in an appropriate way. This polls are limited by statistical error. You guys may have heard of the margin of error. So when you see results reported and it's, you know, 48, 45 and there's a margin error of three, That literally means that either candidate A could have 48 or or it could mean candidate B has 48. It literally means plus or minus that three points on both of those numbers going in both directions. So if you can visualize that, that's basically creating a a tunnel or funnel of uncertainty like they use for hurricanes. Okay, Mm -hmm. And so what the polling is telling us this cycle is the same shit it was telling us as last cycle. And that is that we have a bunch of competitive races that we won't know 
who's going to win until we the votes are cast and counted. Wow. Oh my God, we are tantalizingly close to crossing the 1,300 subscriber threshold on our Patreon page. And maybe you're going to be that 1,300th subscriber. If you decide to sign up, not only are you going to be supporting this completely independent podcast, but we're also going to give you exclusive bonus content only available on our Patreon page. For example, there's an extra 20 minutes of show after the end credits roll at the end of every Tuesday and Thursday show. I don't know if you're aware of that. We call it the Shadow Docket Podcast at patreon.com slash show or simply bobseskashow.com. It's a completely unfiltered, commercial-free continuation of all the fun and news, and it's only going to cost you pennies per episode. The Shadow Dockets drop every Tuesday and Thursday after the free shows, and they're only going to cost you $5 per month. And you're going to be supporting this fully independent podcast podcast don't miss out that's bobseskashow.com bookmark it email it to all of your friends and we thank you delve into the shadows of the mind with sleeping dogs a gripping murder mystery starring academy award winner russell crowe now available on digital crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall uncovering secrets from his past he learns a chilling truth it's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Bob Seska. So what specifically is holding Democrats back on the House side? It seems like the House Democrats and Nancy Pelosi have passed, like, all the liberal wish list things. Plus, they impeached Trump twice. There's something to be said about that, too. Is this about gerrymandering? What is the hang-up? Why, why is it that the Democratic chances on the Senate are so much greater, even though the Senate has been this roadblock, while the House has seemed to have significant throughput when it comes to passing things? Well, it depends on what's happening. Like the Senate map is a third of the Senate each cycle. Okay. Mm. If we had this Senate cycle, these seats that are on contention right now in 2018, Democrats probably would have 55 Senate seats. Oh my God. <laughs> so like it's timing is so important, right? So who's in party out party? You rarely ever see that um, advantage erased and only we could only erase it because of Roe. Mm. Okay. But like what seats like, so the, the, in this time, if Republicans, ha so the reason that the house feels like it's lagging guys is because these fundamentals have shifted and made the house competitive. And now money's and attention starting to flow down there because people feel like it could be one, right? Yeah. And that's, I mean, I personally can't lie to people and tell them, hey, we're going to win when I know we're going to lose shit, right? Mm -hmm. So I tell people the truth because I'm, 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 I'm a weird person that does electioneering and analysts. I'm an analyst, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's hard to tell people like, hey, there's fake momentum. But when there's real momentum like we have now in the house, 
then what we're going to we should start seeing is more and more of that vein that runs to that 435 or that 218 majority mm-hmm. more and more of that people and in, in, um recognizing oh shit we really now need to go spend some time and money and strategy in these house races because we have a real chance of holding the majority and if we could do that guys if we could hold the house we can hold the senate and the house we are really throwing down the gauntlet on protecting this democracy. Sure. And demoralizing the current Trump Republican Party. It's yes, sort of it, blunting it, it, the momentum of that movement as well. I think that's immensely important. Yeah, exactly. Because, like, here's the thing is, like, you know, the Republican Party will course correct when it feels it's electorally incentivized to do so. Yeah. And not one fucking moment before, right? Mm. And that's why I've told people the only answer is to beat them electorally. It's the hard answer. It's not the easy path, but if we can destroy them electorally, they will have to course correct. I want to bring this up to you, Rachel, because I've been talking about this on the show for a while, and my listeners have certainly uh, become familiar with this theory, but I have this ongoing hypothesis that Democrats timed a series of successes for August and September so that voters might be more likely to remember those victories when it came time to vote. Does that does that make sense to you? Is that far-fetched? I mean, if Build Back Better, for example, had passed last year when there was the initial push for it, would anyone give a shit? Would anyone remember no. at this point? So was no. there maybe a, a strategy to front load all of these things within you know a month, a month and a half of mail-in voting and early voting starting? So I doubt that that was like the initial strategy, right? I mean, the initial strategy was to pass this big, giant, ominous bill, da 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 da, right? Yeah, yeah. But when humor, I have no doubt. I mean, I am. This is total speculation. I have no insider knowledge on this. I want to be clear about that. But I have no doubt that Mansion and it was not lost on Mansion and and Schumer when they were hiding and they hid this so well that the. The Capitol Hill beat reporters never found out it's incredible. that Schumer and Manchin had a deal mm. until that deal got announced, right? Mm. So, like, I would assume that the idea uh, – if I, it would have occurred to me if it hadn't – I already knew this lesson, but if it hadn't occurred to Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi before, it certainly did after they delivered one of the most uh, intensive legislative successes – We've seen at a brand new Congress in in ages, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, and then everyone's like, "Well, that's not that they haven't done anything. They haven't done anything because they didn't pass Build Back Better, right?" So, like the lesson in that, which you know, uh, I could have told them before, but uh, hopefully they have learned after, is that no, it doesn't. It, what have you done for me today? Is the only fucking thing that matters in terms of credit cleaning, yep. uh, credit cleaning, and credit cleaning is not not why Democrats are having this electoral, you know, renaissance. It was an awesome addition when that bill, when that bill leaked the deal, the Schumer mansion deal, knowing how much negative partisanship was moving these fundamentals already. I understood it was going to be an asset to be able to have Biden another victory and, 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 and mostly have what I told Joanne Reed, the consultant class, the strategists, the candidates, the media talking heads, if they feel good, if they feel like this shit matters, then if they're happy, they create a sense of happiness too, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's nice to think the Biden accomplishments is what's changed the game. I'm not going to say they're inconsequential either because it ends that narrative. 
but they are not what's motivating the change in the electorate. That is driven entirely by the fact that women feel threat and threat is what that fundamental advantage Republicans had was because they were the out party. And now as an in party, our coalition is equally feeling threatened. So that is why we are now in a position to potentially compete to hold this House majority. So is that Dobbs decision the prime mover and then these legislative successes that have happened since then, the PACT Act, certainly uh, the Inflation Reduction Act, and some of the other successes along those lines, those are the sweetener on top of the Dobbs decision mover? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And is any of this enough to impact the effect of inflation at the ballot box? Is that still like the top level factor in this election? Or is that now rapidly dropping down the list of uh, of issues going into uh, November 8th? Yeah, I mean, it was it's an important issue, right? Because normal human beings don't pay attention to any of this stuff. So the only thing that they like, they don't pay, watch any news. They don't know who they don't know who Chuck Schumer is. They might know who Pelosi <laughs> is because she's in so much advertising attack ads. But they don't they don't know who their own member of Congress is. They don't know who their state legislature is. Yeah. So try to imagine yourself stripping away all of that base knowledge, okay? And like you know, understanding that the only stimulus you're seeing is maybe some local news coverage about turkey prices, and you can understand pretty quickly how inflation can dominate a cycle if there's not something of additional salience being fed into the system. And 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 it can be hard to make that salience. When I was setting out to do this two years ago, my assumption always was, I have to art- find a way to artificially freak out the Democrats' coalition, which isn't just base voters, it's the independent leaners, and make them feel threatened in the way that Republicans will naturally feel threatened, right? And, um, you know, but the truth is to do that artificially, you have, you have to, number one, make people believe they can do that, and mm-hmm. you can. I mean, the Republican Party meets CRT, the defining issue of the 2021 cycle, and that is not something that happened, okay? It's something they created and made happen. So you can make something salient and you can make it to find an election cycle if you have buy-in strategically and enough um, amplification of that. But to have a natural flame, a natural catalyst, you know, that's really why this system is moving and, and um, you know, amen for it could not have happened in a better time period for American democracy. It's a traumatic overreach by the Supreme Court. And I, I would never have thought they would be strategically stupid enough to do this, but I'm glad they did. Yeah, it's amazing. It's an amazing, you know, the dog finally catching the car kind of story. But let's say, let's, I mean, on inflation, let's say that you're the chair of the DCCC, Rachel, and you're advising your candidates and they're all concerned about the impact of inflation on their campaigns. How do you advise them to deal with inflation or if at all, do they sidestep inflation as an issue entirely and focus more on the big victories that they have? Not at all. I would never leave something important like that uncontested. Okay. Okay. So like, you know, what's the fucking point of naming the, the inflation reduction act when it's got 45 (laughs) things in it. If the D triple C isn't going to cut an ad that they run in every house race Mm -hmm. that's competitive that says, the Republican Party voted for high inflation. Yep. <laughs> it's yep. a 15 second ad. And all you say is when, you know, inflation 
the Democrats acted on inflation and every Republican voted to keep inflation high. It's Mm -hmm. not hard. Okay, back with more Rachel right after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Bob Seska plays more music. So on the Senate side, let's talk first about Warnock versus Walker. It looks like Walker has been gaining recently, to put it in horse race terms. How can that be possible? How is it possible? Is this, I mean, I think it's, I think the Walker situation, Herschel Walker is a symptom of negative partisanship, driving Republicans to vote for whoever the hell it is who has an R after their name on their ballot, right? I mean, that's got to be the main thing, isn't it? Well, Republicans understand what Democrats just won't fucking accept, okay? All that matters is the party. That's it. Yeah. So like all this shit, people have been, oh, Oz, he sucks and you know, I've always expected Herschel Walker and, and Dr. Oz to hit at least 47 as a floor, mm. as a floor Jeez. in their respective races. OK. Yeah. And and the reason why it looks like even though Walker's gaffes have piled up and become worse over time, his support is getting better. And what that is, guys, is latent partisanship. So as campaigns kick up and people start getting treated with campaign stimulus, there is a large chunk of the independent pool who are not really independent. They are what we call latent or closet partisans. Mm -hmm. And once those people start to get fed reminders of why it is they lean to the left or lean to the right through these campaign stimuli, what tends to happen is it causes them to rally around that party that they lean. Okay. So what you're seeing now is just, is just, a consolidation of team or tribalism though that's why the republican party i mean they've the, the most um you know uh what, what's the word i'm looking for it, it just absolutely shameless what happened with this with the walker nomination because their hope is you know he's a black man right mm-hmm. he's up against mm-hmm. a black man they they believe all their tropes about democrats and about race so they assume all black people care about is blackness, okay, and that they could siphon off black voters to vote, like, literally for a party that you know, yeah. may be in the future actually dangerous to them, not just rhetorically dangerous, right? Um, you know, um, they, they figure some black folks will vote for, for Walker because they understand it doesn't matter if it's Roy Moore down in Alabama who's a serial child molester Herschel Walker, who's a serial serial woman abuser, the end of the day, what matters to the coalition on the right 
is that party label. That's the only thing that matters to them. And that's why 90% of Republicans voted for Roy Moore and Doug Jones only won because of a happy circumstance of high turnout on, on Democratic voters. But absolutely very little uh, right-leaning independents who defected away from Roy Moore. I would expect the same in both of these races. What's the magic bullet in defeating Herschel Walker in this particular race? What can Warnock do at this point to blunt any momentum that Walker might have? Uh, I mean, obviously, the lack of qualifications, the bizarre refrigerator magnet stream of consciousness nonsense. Yeah, that's not really an effective attack line anymore, is it? No, not at all. That shit should sail and they should shift over to to shitting on him, tying him to the party brand Republican. Herschel Walker wants to be a Republican and he wants to vote to to threaten your health. Your, your, you the recipient of the ad, not Mm. black people, not Latino people, not poor people, not disadvantaged people. You, the recipient of the ad, this dude, this political party that he is part of is a threat to you. Uh, let's move to Pennsylvania now. Will the Republican attacks on Fetterman's health records, that seems to be like the newest thing. Certainly Tucker Carlson is leaning into that. Is this going to be a thing that may actually drag Oz into striking distance, or is this just you know sort of a Hail Mary pass <laughs> at the 11th hour? No, it's, so again, both Dr. Oz and Herschel Walker will end somewhere between 40 seven and 51 to two percent of the vote uh-huh. okay? yeah. prior to Roe, the most likely outcome was 52 percent for both of them okay mm-hmm. now we're but, but so like when you say is this going to make them do better it, they are going to do well it, it's not because of this right it's because of the partisan distribution in the electorate now georgia being much worse i think most certainly, we're looking at a, a close to a 50-50 outcome if if um, Warnock is able to win. Yeah. We're still looking at something that's very close. And I and I could see where Pennsylvania, Oz hits that floor 45 or 46, maybe 47, and can't get above that, right? Mm. Because Pennsylvania is not a um, – is much, much more competitive for Democrats than Georgia is. Yeah, and by the way, I think uh, Nate Silver has uh, Oz right now at around 45.7%. So he's kind of underperforming based on your 47% threshold. Uh, neighboring Ohio, does Tim Ryan have a shot in Ohio? Are you feeling at all optimistic about Tim Ryan versus J.D. Vance? So, like, this race was definitely something I could never have suggested people, you know, pay attention to prior to Roe. Mm-hmm. Roe has put this race into potential um, contention. But I will say that, no, I, I, I mean, I think that the Tim Ryan campaign would need to aggressively wedge row, and I haven't seen any evidence of that yet. So Okay. So it looks like, meantime, Ron Johnson might end up, I mean, I almost said might end up losing to Mandela Bars, but I, I tell you what, I, I'm not going to go that far out on a limb. What, what is your forecast on uh, Wisconsin at this point? Uh, does Mandela Barnes have a chance to unseat Ron Johnson there? Well, Wisconsin is the hardest of the of the big three, which is, you know, through 2020, I get trying to explain to people, listen, I have absolutely zero doubt that I'm right about Pennsylvania going to buy to the Democrat. 
The only one of the big three I'm worried about, and that's Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania, is Wisconsin, and let me explain why. The polling is always showing Pennsylvania is competitive, right? And sometimes Wisconsin is a bigger margin, but that shit doesn't matter. What matters is how much urbanicity is there in a city, how much college-educated voter base, Mm. and how much diversity, okay? Yeah, yeah. And so the reason why Michigan, and and you see this in the Whitmer data data there, and Fetterman and Shapiro in Pennsylvania are doing so well, or I'm less worried about those races— is because Michigan and Pennsylvania both have multiple large cities, right? Mm-hmm. And a lot of urbanicity. Wisconsin's problem is that it actually does not have a large anchor city, okay? Yeah. It doesn't have a, Pen- a, a Philadelphia. It doesn't have a Detroit. It's gotten it, the closest things it has to those things are Madison, Green Bay, things like that, okay? Mm-hmm. And um, so therefore, it is a slightly wider but significantly less college-educated population than in the other two Midwestern states. So for me, what that Johnson race comes down to, what all these races, Bob, just to wrap it up, man, comes down to is are you trying to sell your candidate to the swing voter pool? Are you trying to disqualify the Republican Party writ large through that conversion pool? Mm -hmm. That's what you should be doing. The candidates that are trying to sell themselves are going to come up short, especially in really tough nuts to crack like Georgia. You want to be running a swing voter strategy that's based on the Republican style, which is about disqualifying and pushing voters away from the opposition party, not trying to get them to buy yours. So with 54 days out, I'm going to put you on the spot here, Rachel. Where do you think the Senate's going to land as far as uh, what happens at the end of the day? What's going to be the divide on the Senate side? Well, I mean, you know, so like the two, so like the two endangered, endangered Senate races, I mean, I feel like Kelly is no longer in danger in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But I do worry about Nevada Senate because the Republican Party has been very shrewd about targeting on education. So Hmm. first they started off with white, non-college educated whites and enhanced through grievance politics stuff that divide, right? That realignment. We've never milked our own realignment. And then the Republicans decided in 2018 to start expanding that education hunt through the voter file into the minority part of the voter file along education. They've been doing that now for three, four years, okay? Because again, none of the people that we're talking about, 98% of the electorate knows any fucking thing like you know, okay? Yeah. They don't pay attention. They don't care. They don't know it. So like in Nevada, is someone going to go in there in that voter file and freak out Latinos about the freedom-stealing Republican Party or not? Like to me, that's where we're probably the softest in our incumbent seats, other than the Georgia race, which is just soft because it's Georgia, dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? you know what I mean? So are we so, are we looking at fifty two seats, fifty one? Is it going to be? Is it going to land right where back where it started at fifty fifty? What's gonna What's gonna happen? I don't know. I mean, right now, <laughs> we'll get, I can tell you what would happen today if we held the election. Today, yes, right? the election was so, today. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> Because where where the generic ballot is, right? And the yeah. generic ballot is telling us that you know they they most likely most likely will will end up at fifty two. Okay. 
That's good. That's good news. So yeah. on the house side, though, I mean, but it could be better, right? I mean, we could have. Florida, oh, yeah. We could have Ohio. We could have North Carolina. So if that generic ballot. So like right now, the generic ballot is basically Democrats plus two and a half or whatever. Right. Yeah. It, 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 it was Republicans plus two and a half. So we're talking about a five point inversion. And the fact that it inverted at all is a fucking miracle, right? It's all because of Roe, right? Yeah. So, like, like, right, if it stays at two and a half, that means we probably can hold the Senate, maybe because the map's favorable, even pick up one or two. But we're going to struggle to hit 218 in the House. We're not going to get eviscerated, but we're going to struggle because we lost 14 easy seats in the 2020 cycle. So that you got to keep in mind, we have that handicap in the House mm-hmm. that's definitely impacting our prospects now. So, um, you know, when we think about uh, if that generic ballot keeps moving and we keep pounding this narrative, which is what we're trying to do, create a cacophony of noise about Roe, if we do that and it keeps going north and it's, say, it's generic ballot five in advantage of the Dems, we might be able to hit 218 in the House and we are starting to look good to compete down in Florida and Ohio and these other like marginal seats. Wow. Okay. Well, that's something to look forward to. I'm glad to hear that at least because I'm, I'm feeling skeptical (laughs) these days about uh, not about the candidates, not about the incumbents. I'm feeling skeptical these days about the wisdom of the American voter. That's where things always fall apart to me. That's why you don't want to make it easy for them to fuck us over. Right? Like, so like (laughs) the reason, I mean, not to sound like a megalomaniac, but the reason <laughs> that like I'm skeptical about the house is that I'm not running, you know, the 40 house campaigns that will determine whether we can hit 218. Yeah. And if we if I was, then I'd be a lot less nervous because I would know that sub- all those 40 run through suburban America and I would be hitting the fuck out of that voter file mm-hmm. on row. I'd be freaking out dads about their daughters, you know, women about themselves, teenagers about their future. I would just be hammering right down that that 40 seat suburban line, a very centralized strategy for those house races. And I don't know how many of them are running that strategy right now, but I would I would wager a guess at not nearly enough. Uh, one last question for you before I let you go, Rachel. Are the investigations into Donald Trump and the people surrounding Donald Trump, is there the potential for backlash against the Democrats because of what the FBI and the DOJ are doing. Obviously, these are things that absolutely need to happen. But at the same time, I always get nervous as we get closer and closer to the election that maybe something like this could uh, turn off some swing voters. Is Oh, the uh, Biden administration is doing this because of politics or whatever. Are you seeing an impact of that at all? Or am I just being nervous? No, in fact, where we stand to turn off swing voters is by is by having the rule of law fail in america i can't think of anything that could have devastated our electoral chances more than not no accountability for trump and the coup plotters and the now it's classified info so like when you ask about the investigations like the benefit is that it keeps the news cycle focused on them and this is really hard for me to get Democrats to understand, especially the policy folks, mm-hmm. like the way that we win, you know, and I, and I wrote this in an article a few months ago, I've been talking about it for well over a year. The way we can win in 22 is to make the conversation about them, not about us. We don't want the news cycle about us. We don't want any. We want to <laughs> always focus on Republicans. Yeah. And even though that feels like there's a lot of people are like, oh, man. 
we did all this shit and it didn't get into the news because Trump's classified doc story broke at the same time as the um, PAC Act and the Inflation Reduction Act and da da da. And I'm like, listen, I know you guys are bummed about it, but I'm not, dude. Every fucking day the Republican Party's crazy is is the dominant news story in America is a day that generic ballot moves north for us. So, in other words, these investigations, uh, the FBI uh, search and seizure at Mar-a-Lago, some of the investigations that are happening on the Hill, these are all win-wins is how you're defining it. This is a, a win on the rule of law side, a win on the politics side. Yes, exactly. Okay. Exactly. Thank yes. God. Thank yeah. you. I mean, think about, <laughs> confirming God, that. I'm so happy to have, like, I don't know. I mean, I'm just so happy about all the reform that we're seeing. And, you know, I certainly don't want to leave anybody with the impression that I'm not happy. We're seeing a shit ton of system reform, and there's probably no better piece of evidence than the fact that the Democratic Party is going to hold these committee hearings in fucking September and yep. October. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we just never would have had the balls to do that two years ago, you know, and, and I don't know how much of that was Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger bringing Republican balls to a Democratic committee. But at the end of the day, <laughs> you know, the, when you're talking about a uh, the opposition party trying to overthrow the government and stealing like your nuclear secrets, I, I, I think like you have you're going to end up on the p- positive side of that public opinion. Now, if they were investigating Trump for the tax shit, I would be more worried about it. You know, yeah. or something like white collar crime mm. like that. But yeah. we're talking about very egregious offenses that that happened in plain sight. So when you write the Trump crime book, it will be called in plain sight. Right. Because they did it all. <laughs> yes. in plain sight. And I think that really does help. Um, I think the end of this, this perception that most swing voters um, are, are conservative or moderate is also off. And there's a shit ton of. Biden disapproval that's coming not from Republicans or right-leaning independents coming from the left. And it's because they expected to see the law, the rule of law prevail in America and the system was moving too slow for them. Now that it's moving and they can see it, you're starting to see that tick up. And of course, some of that is, is, you know, the benefit of getting shit done Mm -hmm. is that on the left progressive activists will be honest in public opinion data about their politicians, right? So if Biden's not getting them student loan shit, they're going to say, I disapprove of the job he's doing to the pollster. You don't see that same, um, you know, willingness to do that in Republican data. Republicans, Donald Trump could have, you know, it could be the day that he told everyone to drink bleach and still (laughs) Republicans were never going to admit that they disapproved of the job he was doing. And that's why you see Biden actually under Trump or par with Trump on approval so much, it's because you have less tribalism on the left side of the coalition than that public approval data. Yeah. Are younger voters going to step up this time around because of student loan relief? No. <laughs> Good answer. That's the, that's the correct answer. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. If you want younger voters to step up, and, and if you're paying attention, then you should know that we have to have them show up. If we don't, we fail, and then democracy dies. So even if it's hard, we got to make young people give a shit. Young people might care if, if we tell them that, that, that the Republicans plan to tax their student loan forgiveness or steal their student loan forgiveness or end it or take it back or sue to ruin it, but not just from getting it done. Okay, Rachel, so uh, where can people find your work? Do you still run that pack? Is that still happening oh, at yeah, this point? No. Okay. <laughs> 
No, I left that the pack in April and I do private consulting. Gotcha. Okay, so uh, at Rachel Bittekoffer on Twitter, any place else where people can find your work? Yeah, I have a Substack. It's called The Cycle on Substack. Great Excellent. podcast. All right. Wonderful guests like uh, Mallory McMurrow was recently on there. Oh, um, she's the best. You, know, yeah. you, you should definitely check it out. And uh, there's a free option. You can subscribe if you have a lot of money to burn and want to support you know me as a human being. But for God's sake, please don't pay for my blog unless you have a lot of money to burn. <laughs> All right, I'll keep that in mind. Thank you so much, Rachel. I <laughs> really appreciate your time today. Take it easy. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. They say it's hard when you're fixing a life Trying to pick the broken pieces up time after time And every day is spent looking for some clarity line Oh yeah, it's hard trying to make it all work With a crash that's hanging overhead and it's gone Sometimes it's hard just to leave it behind When habitual consensus keep me running the light I'll take it to a future place on a carousel ride Oh yeah, it's hard trying to make it alone When I think I know better than the sorrow I own I'm just a heart Oh,